Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the Action Network Podcast. And it is good. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Action Network Podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Jason Sobo of Golf Bet. He is Justin Ray, head of content for the 15th Club. And this is, oh, by the way, the 400th Action Network podcast, the 400th episode ever. So a little golf clap to all our, our friends and family with the Action Network. Great job by everyone over the last few years. And we'll keep it going to 401 and beyond. So uh, we're going to get into this week's Valspar Championship Uh Pretty good field. Nice field this week. Uh, JT and DJ at the top. Uh, we'll do our five questions. We'll make our DFS lineup. And uh, first, uh, Justin, what's going on? How are you? And uh, pretty cool Zurich Classic this past weekend. It was good. Um, congratulations on 400. I'm very proud to be part of about 1.1% of the 400. <laughs> You're such uh, a stack guy. You know, just proud to be such a huge part of that history. Um, yeah, it was a pretty, pretty electric finish. There was a little bit of who wants to win this coming down the stretch, but um, really love the alternate shot format and almost wish that it was four days of alternate shot, to be honest with you. I mean, it's just um, so much more rewarding from a fan standpoint watching it. Um, but coming down the stretch, getting another playoff, uh, plenty of drama. Um, great to see the big crowds out there in Louisiana, hopefully, you know, fully spaced and safe as we get uh, more normalized in that regard. But felt it felt normal. It felt like a normal sports and golf weekend. I don't know. It just uh, – it felt like we were getting closer to normalcy. Maybe it's because we had a baby shower at my house and mm-hmm. you know, congratulations socially distances. We could be too, but um, yeah, no, it was, it was a great finish and, and it really felt like a, you know, the best team won. I thought, and I'm not just saying that cause I picked them on the gimme. Yeah, you the are. Um, the Aussies going in there and just, you know, you know, both those guys can scramble their tails off and you know, they put it together and got the victory. So some, some good company too. Mark Leishman, now five PGA Tour wins since the beginning of 2017. Sneaky, kind of racking up victories at this point. Mm. Thirties, one of only seven players to have that over that span. So, uh, pretty interesting to to see Mark Leishman kind of hit another gear in his career. So, a few things. Congratulations to you on making that pick. You and Amanda Rose were both on the the mullet team, and so uh, uh, well done by you guys. I, I just felt like it was too obvious. I didn't want to make it unanimous and everyone. Did, so, I I don't know. I I'll let you guys. Take the W on that. I'll take the L. Uh, secondly, um, you know we're getting back to some sense of normalcy when Light the Candle guy shows up at PGA Tour events again. So he is indeed back. Um, Clearly audible, repeatedly light the candle guy in a big I, moment. Like, we ain't lighting candles, bro. Just lay off. Let uh, Louie hit it in the water without yelling at him, please. Um, and what's, the other part, gonna, what's, what's, what's he going to do? Turn around and go, hey, that was clever. That was good. I like that. Like, what what – What's the best possible outcome for Light the Candle Guy? I did a crowdsource story about six or seven years ago where I spoke with about 
two dozen people who had yelled things at PGA tour events. I, and I, I did like a little, you know, sort of like you a data analysis, you know, kind of had my chart. They're all 18 to 34 years old. They're all male. They've all been drinking and they all have told friends at home, Hey, when so-and-so tees off on 16, listen, I'm going to say something. And then their friends go, dude, I heard you on TV. Oh my God. You, you were the late, the candle guy. That was amazing. And they all think they're really funny. And the only part of that that surprised me, none of that surprised me that, you know, younger guys who are drinking, watching golf, want to yell stuff. I, okay. I, I get it. Um, what surprises me is that almost every single one of them told me at the time that the people around them genuinely laughed. And so they're like, I, I kept doing it because I, I was yelling stupid stuff and no one was turning around going, hey, shut up. You're an idiot. People were turning around going, ah, that's so funny. Like they're high-fiving me. So I'm like, okay, I'll keep doing it. And the players- Well, they're all really lit up anything. from eating 26 Miller Lights too. So, you know- Yeah, I, I guess so. I um, guess. <laughs> and, and I guess I can kind of see that. If you're there and you're like, some guy yells something, he's standing next to you, you're like, huh, that guy. Okay, well, that was kind of funny. All right, whatever. If you're sitting at home, you're like, dude, shut up. Nobody cares. So in any case, uh, by the way, the last point on that that I wanted to make, because you said uh, you talked about Mark Leishman's five victories in 17. Uh, Kiwa, next month. Uh, that that could be a very not-so-sneaky play. I, I have a feeling that Kiwa is going to be ripe for a, a player of that ilk, a sort of yeah. – and nothing against Mark Leishman. I, I don't mean to take away from, you know, the afterglow of his team win this weekend, but a second tier type of player. Not a megastar. Exactly. No one's ever going to confuse him for super. He's not a top five player in the sport. Right. A really good pro and a, and a, a you know, a consistent force on leaderboards and all that. But I hear what you're saying. Not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even though I, I don't know why I think this considering Rory won by eight the last time it was <laughs> right. held there, which makes yeah. Absolutely no sense that we should say, hey, maybe it's a guy a little bit lower down. But I think there's going to be some value on the board when we get to that. Anything else uh, from the Zurich strike you as uh, interesting? Oh, the format. I once I heard a lot of I saw a lot of social media sort of, hey, how can we change this and make this better? Because that's what social media does, whether it's the tour championship, whether it's uh, whatever. Everyone wants to say, hey, these guys don't know what they're doing. They should do it this way. And so I saw a lot of that. I I wouldn't mind a a round of best ball, a round of alternate shot, a round of a scramble and a round of, I, I don't even know what the fourth is a shamble or something like that. Maybe. And just does it get, does it get it too up. hard to keep track at that point? Probably. I mean, I, there's always going to be people who are going to armchair Monday morning quarterback, no matter what they do. Right. And I think that, you know, they flip the days after. So the first year they had in 2017, right, right. it was the best ball in the final round. And you'd think, okay, tons of birdies, but really it just eliminated the ability for anybody to fall back to the pack. And, I mean, there was a great finish, but the way they did it now with the alternate shot coming in the final round, I thought it was a better setup. I think the problem was, and I'm postulating here, but I believe that because they did it that way the first year and best ball takes twice as long as alternate shot and the playoff bled into Monday morning, that that was when they said, yeah, let's do the alternate shot in the final round so that we can end this on Sunday evening before the evening news in a place where you're in it's springtime in Louisiana, you are guaranteed. I, it's amazing. I don't think they had a weather delay this year, which may have been the first time in 30 years. They haven't had a rain delay yeah. at this golf tournament. I mean, it's just, it's inevitable that time of year in that part of the country, 
My two favorite notes of the week, Cam mm. Smith coming off his win. Each of his first three PGA Tour victories now have been in playoffs. Can you name the last man to get his first three PGA Tour wins, each in a playoff? There is no way. Um, no I, I, I completely oh, – that guy from Alabama, uh, he won in Colorado, Steve Lowry. Oh, bang. All right. I saw well your done. tweet. Come on. And the third one was in 2008. He beat VJ Singh at Pebble Beach. It was a really pretty crazy finish there. So, yeah, first guy to do that since yeah. Steve Lowry. I think it was no, I, 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 I would not have guessed that. I, I saw your tweet. I follow you on Twitter. We all saw it, Jay Ray. Uh, all right. Fair enough. Uh, and then the other one was about Louis Ustazen. Hey, incredible that his only credited – now, I know he's won everywhere all over the world – Awesome career, don't get me wrong, but just to only have one PGA Tour win, and it's a seven-shot win at the Open at St. Andrews. And nothing in the U.S. 14 career victories around the world, nothing in the U.S. Right, juxtapose that now. Nine runner-up finishes on the PGA Tour, and I love the dispersion of it. He has the – this is where they've come. All four majors, the players, a playoff event, a WGC event, which was match play, if you like that, to add another caveat, a regular event, which was like Valspar, I believe. And now a team event. So he's got a runner-up finish in like every conceivable kind of golf tournament you can have on the PGA Tour. And his only win is in the Open Championship by seven shots at a store at St. Andrews. I he's that been was- as high as number four in the world ranking without ever having won a golf tournament on U.S. soil. It's a fascinating career. I mean, really? all the different ways he's come so achingly close in all the major championships. I, I'm uh, not in addition sure. To his blowout win. I'm not sure about this, but we may have broken the streak today, and we're recording this on Monday evening, but I played in McKenzie's Moment, a charity event over at Golden Ocala where they played an LPGA event about a month ago. Great course, had a fantastic time. Five-man scramble. Louis Oosthuizen was playing in the scramble. I saw a 55 next to his team's name. I'm pretty sure that was the winning score, and so we might have got Louis off the schneid with a victory on U.S. soil. Okay, congratulations. I'm glad he could beat you and the other schlubs out there. <laughs> whoa, whoa. 12 handicap. I mean, relatively speaking, I, I, all due respect, but I mean, you know, Louis Ustazen's a major champion. And as I just By, said, it's a runner-up finish at every conceivable kind of golf tournament's ever been held. So but he gets I, the win I, in Ocala. That's big. I, yeah, I, I've got a good buddy who's from Ocala originally. He's a big Golf better, big golf fan. Jason S., for those who have I, I've dropped his name in columns before, and I always say Jason S., but it's not me. It's Jason S., a different Jason S. He's from Ocala, and whenever we talk about picks for the week that we like, he always drops a TPJ. Ted Potter Jr., from Ocala. He always, you know, he's always telling me, oh, Ted Potter, Ted Potter, and, you know, maybe this is the week for him. And your, so, Jason S., your Jason S. is, of course, Jason Sudeikis, star of Ted Lasso. Obviously. It is not. It's not, no. It's not. Jason Shannon. Bring it full circle with the Ted and everything. Yeah, that's good. But um, I will say, though, that my first time in Ocala today, which is only about an hour 15 from where I live, I park the car at the golf course. I get out of the car. I pop the trunk to go get my clubs. And I turn, and Ted Potter Jr. is walking past the car. I go, hey, Ted, what's going on? Hey, how you doing? I've known him from way back when. But I had to text my buddy and say, I don't know. It's my first time in Ocala. I got out of the car. The first person I saw was Ted Potter Jr. I assume this is what happens every time you show up in Ocala. He's the wizard from Ocala. I'm, I mean, he's he's the mayor, isn't he? I mean, the Ocala is there, and side with Ted from Pebble Beach a few years ago after beating DJ. Welcome to Ocala, Florida, yeah. home of horse country and 
was he a three-time, two-time PGA Tour winner, Ted Potter Jr.? Ted Potter Jr. at least. More, I know. I think it's he has more wins than Louis Oosthuizen. Think about, about that. that. Wow. Bang. Ocala represent mm, things. <laughs> things I could have ribbed Louis for earlier today, so I, I didn't want to do that. Uh, let's get to the Valspar. Uh, Louis is playing, by the way. Uh, Louis could get two wins in one week. How about that? Uh, JT at the top of the board. As of right now, 10 to 1. This is going to fluctuate. I've seen him 8 to 1 already in some place. I'm looking at DraftKings right now. Uh, Dustin Johnson, 11 to 1. Has not been playing his best, although a T13 at the RBC Heritage a few weeks ago. He's getting, getting there a little bit. Corey Connors. We're going to talk a lot of Corey Connors, I have a feeling. Corey Connors getting a lot of respect in the marketplace this week. He's 18 to 1. Patrick Reed. I've got a great Patrick Reed Valspar story. He is 18 to 1. Paul Casey, the two time defending champion. 22 to one. I can't hear, wait to hear your stat on Paul Casey going for a three-peat this week. Victor Hovland, 22 to one as well. Tyrrell Hatton, 25. Sungjae M, 28. Abraham Answer, Russell Henley, Scotty Scheffler all at 30. Kokrak, Neiman, Ustazen himself at 35 to one and then a bunch of other uh, still pretty good players right behind him. So um, let's start at the top of the board. Uh, uh, one of these big names strike you as a guy that you really like more than some others? So one of the key stats is you guys, if you listen to this week in, week out, um, that I like to look at is the average strokes gain rank the week of player wins a particular tournament and compare that to the PGA Tour average. So this week for the Valspar Championship, strokes gained off the tee is significantly less important than anywhere else this week. I say that because there's a guy at the very top of the board and you think of him as a guy who's really good off the tee and he is a strong player off the tee. But I'll give you a stat on Justin Thomas that makes me believe that I think he's he's basically tailor-made for this golf course. So he's Justin Thomas is gaining less than 1% of his strokes on the against the field this season off the tee. That is a crazy number. And it's yeah, not indicative yeah. of a guy not being able to drive the ball because he still has good strokes gain off the tee numbers. It's because he is so good with his irons and through everything else on his bag that he's not – reliant on strokes gained off the tee. To put that in perspective, Bryson DeChambeau gains 45% of his strokes with his driver. Brooks Kepka, 21%. Xander Shoffley, 19%. They rely on dominance with the big club in order to gain strokes on the field. Justin Thomas doesn't need that. He missed the cut the last time he played here, but even as the favorite, man, he just seems tailor-made for this golf course, the way that he's hit his irons this season – for my money, as, as you guys have heard me say on the podcast before, I think he's the best iron player in the world the last two, three years. And then you mentioned the other guy I really like, which is Corey Connors. Corey Connors is probably going to be my favorite outright pick this week. Feels like a guy he's been trending towards a victory. He's got a lot of high finishes, and he's one of the best iron players on the planet too. So I think you like Corey Connors a lot this week as well. I'm interested to hear your thoughts there. Yeah, I mean, four of his last six finishes have been inside the top ten. He's a great iron player. This is going to be a good course for good iron players. He held the 54-hole lead here two years ago and uh, didn't quite keep it going on Sunday afternoon. I believe playing with Tiger in the final round. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, obviously, you know, having – Pressure back situation. Yeah, having never quite been in that situation. Was that right before the Texas Open? It was, I believe so, shortly before the Texas Open. Then it was, was three weeks before the Masters, I believe, in 19. So, yeah, yeah that was on his steady ascent, and that was a week where 
he contended and it was one of the first times it was really wow tiger might win again right um, yeah, but he was in a really tough spot but, right but him with tiger tiger in the group and never having really contended i mean that's a lot to throw on a guy but yeah I, sure. I i really like him this week the problem is everyone really likes him i actually because i was playing this event today um i wrote most of my preview content on sunday afternoon um, and, and so I did it before the odds came out. I said, oh, Corey Connors, like him for a top 10 this week. Mm, pretty shrewd play. I'm not sure anyone else is going to jump on that. Uh, Corey Connors is two to one. He's plus 200 for a top 10 this week. I mean, it's like, I mean, you better be really confident in Corey Connors if you're going after him this week. And I'm not saying don't do it because I really like him, but you better be pretty damn sure that he's going to be right up there. Connors plus 1800 to win. Paul Casey's won the damn thing the last two years it's been played and he's plus 2200. Yeah. So yeah. You, that's a, that's your biggest indicator there of where the market is on Connors. So um, that's a good point. I, <laughs> I didn't realize that it was such a layup easy pick, but Hey, it worked last week with Cam Smith and Mark Leishman. So sure. I mean, sometimes you know, Connors breaks through and gets another victory. When those neon lights are blinking and the arrows pointing right at a guy, sometimes you get, well, Maybe they're trying to show us something. By the way, my Patrick Reed story, uh, this was also two years ago. Two years ago is when Patrick Reed came in second, right? Uh, a couple of my he's, buddies Yeah, he's done it twice. He lost the playoff to Spieth when That's Spieth right. was reaching peak Spiething uh, in 15. And yeah. then, yeah, 19 as well. Yeah. And so two years ago, a few of my buddies came out, and one of them put a fairly large live outright bet pre-final round on Patrick Reed. And – they're standing around the 18th green, and Patrick Reed's got it was about 22, 25 footer up the hill, and left it like five feet short. I mean, it wasn't it like never scared the hole. It was like one one of those putts that me or you would putt, and would be like, "How? Why did I just leave that short? If nothing, like hit it 10 feet past the hole, and at least like give it a chance on the way by to drop in." But it, it didn't even come close to scaring the hole. To which my buddy was like, "Just you know." Uh, it, to this day, if you mention Patrick Reed in front of him, um, he dislikes him even more than a lot of other people do. So, uh, yeah, that's the uh, Patrick Reed story. By the way, I Gambling want you to call Casey. To people. <laughs> uh, Justin, do you happen to know the last time a European player happened to win the same event three times in a row on U.S. soil? Well, uh, Jason, you've got to go back to before the PGA Tour even existed. Um, and they retroactively called it a PGA Tour victory. The last time a European player won the same PGA Tour event three times in a row, Mr. Willie Anderson at the U.S. Open in aught three, aught four, and aught five, 1903, 1904, 1905. That's the last time it's happened. Um, it's very rare for anyone to three-peat. No one's three-peated on the PGA Tour in any event since Steve Stricker 10 years ago at the John Deere. So, um, but Paul Casey has been exceptional um, I, one of my favorite stats I've, I've come up with this week, looking at Paul, he's been in the top 15 stroke gain approach on the PGA Tour seven straight years, the longest active streak of any player. So um, a, a guy who you know isn't overly long still can hit it out there a little bit, but um, you know his iron play is what separates him and makes him an elite player. And you know he's really shown that the last couple of years at the Valspar with back-to-back wins. You would think I'd learn because I faded Willie Anderson in that 05 U.S. Open. Um, thinking like, ah, he, he won once. Okay. I'll give him that. He won again. What are the odds? This guy's going to win a third in a row. And then he goes and does it. I I mean, if history is going to repeat itself 116 years later, uh, I mean, we should jump on case, but I, I don't have Casey this week. Uh, really just 
for the law of averages, if nothing else, but obviously he plays the golf course really well. I'm, I do like a couple of guys kind of in that range though. Uh, Tyrrell Hatton's a guy that I haven't been on much over the last 12 to 18 months. I, I feel like he's might not be the best way to say this. He's played above his baseline. He's been very, very good. He's the eighth ranked player in the world. I feel like he's probably played at some point too good for the level of player that he is. And I don't mean that in a, demeaning way whatsoever but it's lowered the value on him um i don't feel like he's a guy i want to chase but i do like him this week i don't think that uh plus 2500 is a bad number and then my favorite outright play is sung jm sung jm okay first of all uh plays really well in the florida events you've taught us this before a few weeks ago during the real florida swing talked all about sung jm tends to putt better on bermuda greens he also tends to play well and you know it's still the early part of his career but at places he's played well already, he tends to come back and play well there again. He was T4 in his only previous start at Innisbrook. So I think that this could be a good place for Sungjae to break through for a second victory. Good call. Tied for the field lead in birdies. Sungjae M did that year. Um, that's a good number for him. Um, I, I'm, uh, I'm really positive about a certain player that I keep coming back to week in, week out, looking at the analytics. Russell Henley leads the PGA Tour in scoring average. I don't know if you could, you know, shake down and find a couple of people who could tell you that, but number one on the PGA tour in scoring average, and he does it with his irons. And as we talked about, this is a play, uh, a golf course where approach play is paramount. I know it basically works everywhere, but um, it's more significant here than at most places. Um, He's a guy I like, I'm hesitant to pick him for a win, but I like some, I like some top 10 and definitely top 20 action on him this week. Um, Going a little bit further down the board, a guy who's had some good finishes and just came off another great week and clearly just picked up the victory at Ocala today in the uh, <laughs> tournament you played in. I think he did. I don't know. We didn't match cards, but I think so. Well, let's just go with it. Louis Ustazen, plus 3,000. He's second in strokes gained TD Green per round in this golf tournament the last five years. He's fifth in strokes gained total per round in that span in this tournament among players with a dozen or more rounds. Um, I like him a lot this week, too. I think he's a guy who um, – can you know he's obviously fits this golf course and he's coming off some strong play last week in Louisiana. Uh, I'll give you three guys sort of in that range. Jason Kokrak has played very good golf uh, on this golf course in the past, a second place yes. finish and an eighth place finish the last two times it was held here. He's also played really well in Florida already this year. Um, 35 to one doesn't get me too excited, but I don't mind that uh, at least for DFS plays for a top 10 play at plus 300. I don't mind that. I really like the number on Justin Rose. I think Justin Rose at the Masters wasn't quite ready to play his best golf. He put the score up for a couple of rounds, but he wasn't quite in the mode of like, hey, I'm going to play my best golf. He's coming off now the sort of, Yeah, I mean, injury and his swing wasn't there. And I just, yeah. a lot of stuff going on for Justin Rose. I think now he's gotten that, okay, I've, I've gotten like a little title contention under my belt. I, I've gotten some rounds in. I'm starting to play better. I think that that's a good number, 45 to one on Justin Rose. And then I don't love this number, but I do think that Chris Kirk is going to win sooner rather than later. Uh, his record here is not great. I believe nothing inside the top 40, top 30 in five starts here. Um, but he's played really well. Three top ten, top tens in his last five individual starts. He's uh, plus 5,500 right now. This is Action Network podcast producer, Matt Mitchell. Here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new sign-up offer for our listeners, a $600 risk-free first bet. 
Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts, Plus, they're compatible with BetSync, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. So I'm going down further down the board, and maybe this is recency bias because of last week, but there's a guy at 125 to 1 coming off a runner-up finish last week, a past champion of this golf tournament. He leads all players in birdie average in this tournament since 2015. Hmm. He leads all players in strokes gained total in this tournament since 2015. Charles Schwartzel has worse odds than Phil Mickelson this week to win. I don't get that. I know Schwartzel hasn't been uh, a peak player in the game for quite some time, but he really likes this golf course. Um, he obviously played well enough to contend along with Will Hughes-Hazen last week in New Orleans. Um, I think there's a lot of value there. I'm going to have a couple of different bets on Schwartzel this week. Uh, probably to outright, kind of a little bit of a flyer. I don't ex- really expect that to happen, but if I've got him to outright at that number, I mean, why not? And then some tw- top 10, top 20 action on him as well. Uh, a couple other former champions here. I believe the first one's a former champion. Gary Woodland won this event at one point. I don't think so. No, I thought Gary Woodland won one of, the, one of these. I'm sure I bet on him and I dreamed that he won and then it never happened. But the note case, I have Gary for Woodland, Woodland is, is miscut each of last two starts here. Okay, so. there you go. So we hate Gary <laughs> Woodland here, but I, I just looked at the number. I know he hasn't played great lately, but uh, 80 to 1 this week. And then a guy I know that won. This event, Adam Hadwin, who's trending in the right direction. He is 90 to one. Uh, he's a guy that I feel like you don't really pick that often. But quite honestly, a year ago, if we had said, hey, who's the best Canadian? It's like Hadwin, Connors, Hughes, kind of take your pick. And now Connors is the third favorite in the field. And Hadwin is sitting down there at 90 to one at an event he's won in the past. Uh, there's not that much of a discrepancy between them. And the last time this tournament was held, 2019, most difficult greens in regulation to hit on the PGA Tour. Everybody is going to have to get up and down. Adam Hadwin's on a short list of best short games on tour. So okay. um, he's, he's somebody who's up there in those statistics year in, year out, chipping and putting. A guy who doesn't need to, to hit the ball a long way to score. Um, I kind of like that call. All right. Uh, anybody further down the list? I'm, I'm just kind of scrolling through the sort of bottom of this uh, with some big numbers. Uh, JT Poston's a guy I don't mind this week. Sepp Straka is a guy that really interests me. Um, he, he's a guy that I, I think is is on the rise. The results haven't really shown it, but he was uh, co-first-round leader alongside Joel Damon two years ago. Shot a 76 in the second round, another 76 in the final round. Finished in, I believe, 46th place, but still had a, a really nice start to the week and can play some good golf here. 
Uh, and then I'll throw uh, actually two guys, Peter Uline, who's on a little bit of a heater. I mentioned it last week. I've been waiting 10 years for Peter Uline to be on a heater. And so I don't want to not be on it when he actually gets on that heater. And then a guy that I, I always like, and I've talked about it on the pod before, a guy that if you just put a paper bag over everybody's head on the range and you said, okay, who's got a good swing? Who's got the right build? Who's got the mentality? Jonathan Vegas, to me, and I've said it a hundred times, he just looks like he should be a top 30 player. And maybe it says more about him that he's not than that he looks like one. But every time I watch the guy play, I'm like, man, guy's really, really good. And I don't know why he hasn't really broken through and been better. I mean, he's a, he's a fine player. He's a good player. He's a, a multiple of PGA Tour sure. champion. Yeah, but yeah. 200 to 1, I mean, that, that's a big number. I mean, he's down there with some guys that uh, probably don't deserve to be necessarily on the same level as him. So another guy I see right now at 200 to 1, uh, Graham McDowell is interesting to me. Uh, another guy who we said, listen, I told you that driving distance is not as significant this week as normal. Uh, as week to week on the PGA tour that helps Graham McDowell. He ranks third in birdies or better per round of the Valspar championship since 2015. He's sixth in strokes gained putting on this course in that span. Uh, we saw the great hole in one last week in Louisiana. Maybe there's a little bit of uh, that image in my mind popping up, but a couple of numbers are pretty positive for McDowell this week. And he's the kind of player that you can see have success here. If you look at some of the guys who have high finishes, at the Valspar championship, it really fits that mold that driving distance isn't as important this week as uh, it is on a lot of the courses on the PGA tour. We mentioned tiger when he contended in 2018 and Connors was the 54 hole leader. The biggest thing for tiger woods that week that everyone kind of took away storyline wise was how conservative he was off the tee. He didn't hit a lot of drivers. He hit a lot of three woods just simply because he didn't need to on that golf course. And he was able to separate himself with iron play. So um, I think you can look for some guys who don't necessarily hit the ball a long way. Um, I guarantee you there's going to be a guy in the top 10 this week who was outside the top 200 in driving distance this season. That's mm. a, that was a prop bet on MGM. That would be a bet I would make. Okay. All right. We can make that happen. We can get that up there. Uh, by the way, if we're looking way down the list, uh, just a, a guy that I'm taking just based on the fact that at some point, again, much like some of the other players I've talked about, at some point things are going to turn around for him and he's going to start playing good golf again. And I want to be on the right side of it, not the wrong side of it. But I, I'm keeping an eye on Kevin Chappell. And I've said this before, but I – uh, Kevin Chappell, um, I, I've made the Daniel Berger comparison. They, they were on the President's Cup team together in 17, I believe. Yeah, Liberty and uh, Nashville. Liberty Nashville. Yeah. And, and so Daniel Berger, same thing. Like, hey, really good player, uh, career on the up, gets hurt, sort of falls off the face of the earth for a little while, comes back. I don't know that Chappell's going to necessarily become a top 15 player in the world like Berger has, but I, I do think that at some point – in the not too distant future, Kevin Chappell is going to start reminding us why he was on the president's cup team in the first place. Yeah. Too talented not to get back to a more uh, consistent place in his game in terms of results week in, week out. I'm with you. Five minutes, five questions you never asked. I got to be honest with you. I get a little irritated when somebody calls me away from my golf. This is five under. All right, let's get to our five questions and then, uh, do our DFS lineup for the week. Okay. Uh, my turn to ask the five questions. Uh, number one, uh, 16, 17, and 18 this week in Innisbrook called the Snake Pit. Uh, what is your favorite nickname 
for any stretch of holes on a golf course. It seems like there's been in recent years a little bit of an oversaturation, you know, mm. but I know I have my favorite and I'm going to reveal my Texas bias with my favorite, but what's your favorite nickname for any stretch of holes on a golf course? It doesn't have to be on the PGA Tour. It can be anything, any track you play, your local course, uh -huh. whatever it might be. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I will uh... – you have a Texas bias. I have a little Georgia bias, by the way, I, I go with, you know, my favorites are West O you get out in that, that far corner called Satan's taint when it gets really hot out there. Uh, we won't <laughs> go there, uh, but a little place in Georgia that has this row of holes called amen corner that I, I always thought that was a pretty good nickname. Pretty good. That, that one you can't go wrong with. I mean, okay. that's, that's the go-to that's, I mean, that's the best, right? If this I was mean, family I, feud, I, I have like, you know, 89 yeah, of 68 points or yeah, whatever, okay. like at yeah. the top of the board. Um, I'd said mine's mine's a little Texas bias. I love the name Horrible Horseshoe at Colonial. Um, some really, it's, it's a stretch of really tough golf holes, and it's one of the only one of these stretches of holes that's on the front nine. And typically, mm -hmm. always that these these stretches of holes on these famous golf courses that have nicknames, they're always coming down the stretch. But uh, Horrible Horseshoe at Colonial, I think it's three, four, five, uh, very beginning of the golf course. Um, but that that's uh, that's my answer. You can also can't go, go wrong with Amen Corner, though. No. I mean, Hogan's Alley. There's like six Hogan's Alleys, by the way. Right. Yeah. There's well, like you know, Hogan's Alley everywhere he played and played well. I like to say that like there's players like Hogan, Nicholas Woods, like their their favorite golf course terrain. Like, what kind of golf course do they fit? My answer is Planet Earth. That's what golf course they they fit. So yeah, a lot of Hogan's Alleys everywhere. Um, number two, Paul Casey is going for a three peat this week, as we mentioned earlier. There have been eight three-peats on the PGA Tour in the last 40 years. Six are by Tiger Woods. Can you name the other two, the two in the last 40 years, not by Mr. Eldrick Woods? I, mean, I can get one because you mentioned it earlier. Yeah, if you're listening I, to the pod I, I realized that when I said paying that. paying attention. Threw away my question, yeah. Steve Stricker of the John Deere, which I probably wasn't getting if you hadn't mentioned it earlier. But I like that. You threw a little Easter egg in there for the audience to – See if they were paying attention. I was. I'm going to go. Oh, this is a tough one. I think Would Johnny like Miller. I think Johnny Miller did it. Incorrect. <sighs> Would you like a hint? Yeah, of course. Not, not in mainland United States. Stuart Appleby didn't do it at Kapalua, did he? Oh, he did. Oh four, oh five, oh six. He Stuart did all Apple. three of them at Kapalua. God, I knew three he... straight at the Tournament of Champions. The, so the oh, there have been eight in the last forty years. Six are by Tiger, and the other two are Stuart Appleby at Maui and uh, Steve Stricker at uh, the John Deere Classic. Hang on, let me call Johnny Miller and get his take on that. Well, Johnny, I think did it in this. I don't have the list right in front of me. The one before in that stretch of forty years. There's some Nicholas. There's some Watson. I think there's a Johnny Miller maybe. in. Phoenix. Oh, good point. Okay. Yeah. You did say 40 years. I was thinking we were still in 2007. Yeah. So, so since like 1980. We're in exactly. 2021. So yeah. That, so there were none. There were, yeah, I don't think there were any in the 2021 80s. minus 40. Yeah. Okay. That's before Johnny. Okay. Well, all right. I. We, that's okay. You got, Johnny I gave Miller, you that. So I'll give you, you get a B plus on that answer. Well, I mean, to get Applebee, I mean, come on. I, that's pretty solid. If Johnny Miller is one of them and we'll check it out. If he's one of them, I want credit for credit for the effort, just a, an F for the math. Okay, I'll find I'll find the answer when you do an ad read later. Let's, <laughs> let's see if I can race against the clock. All right, number three of All our right. five questions. The tee boxes at this course this week for the Valspar Championship are paint cans. 
which I always thought was kind of a little dorky, but it's fun. I like it. You know, you got to do the tie-in. Uh-huh. What is your favorite tee box marker on the PGA Tour? I will answer mine. Mine, I have always found the little FedEx trucks in, in Tennessee to be – I always they always make me laugh. I don't know why. I, because every, you know, inside every grown man is a nine-year-old, I guess, and you think about playing with trucks as a kid. But the little tiny FedEx trucks – and by the way, I was not paid by the PGA Tour or FedEx Cup to, to say this, but I always thought that was kind of a little fun thing. Paint cans this week. What is your favorite tee box marker on the tour? Does John Deere have tractors? Yes. Okay. There you go. There we go. Nice. Number four. Um, I mentioned the stat about Louis Oosthuizen with nine runner-up finishes on the PGA Tour spread across this incredible array of different types of events. Will Louis Oosthuizen ever win a PGA Tour event on U.S. soil? Other calls- than the McKenzie's moment at Golden Ocala five-man scramble. Right. Yeah, unofficial. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I feel like it's just mean to say no. That golf swing's got to win one, right? I yeah, I think so. That golf swing put one so far into the water that like <laughs> I, I don't know where he was going on in the playoff on eighteen, but yeah, uh, I'll say yes just because I I just feel like that's a direct blow to Louie that you know if you say no, you'll never win one on you. Like yeah, it's some I don't know, never's a long time. Uh, that swing will hold up for another 10 years, I think. Yeah, at some point, that, he just kind of – I say it's got to happen. You know the only- and we just mentioned the John Deere. He loves going to the John Deere because he loves playing with tractors and doing farm work. John Deere, how about that? There you go. I mean, that'd be perfect. They could yeah. maybe gift him a tractor. like They have know, before, I think. I, I don't know. Yeah. So I, I'm with you, too. I think he has to win. I mean, one of the best golf swings of the last 20 years or so in the professional game. Just you yeah. know, so yeah. smooth. Got to love it, so – um, yeah, that was more of me just baiting in, saying that we got to see this guy win on the US, on yeah. in a, a, an event on U.S. soil. It's got to happen eventually. Um, number five, fifth and final question: Over under twelve more months for Cameron Smith's mullet. He said, he said apologies to his girlfriend. He's got to keep it now. He's got a W with that thing. I'm convinced, statistically, just analytically speaking. It's worth a quarter shot around straight up. Uh, I think it goes away at some point. I, I think that he is playing to the crowd right now. I think that he did it on a lark, just thinking, Hey, this would be funny. And he did it. And they played really well and got some notoriety from it. And then this week it was like mullets, mullets, mullets everywhere. And Leishman wears one. They play the mullet song. They win. Now it's like, uh, he's got to keep it even if he doesn't want to keep it, I, I likened it. I was asked this, a similar question on PGA tour radio earlier today. Taylor Zarzer asked me about the mullet. I said, it's kind of like Johnson Wagner's mustache a few years ago. We're like, at some point, even if he wants to get rid of it, he can't. Cause that's all he's known for now. Yeah. I'd say that it's almost reaching a saturation point where like, I thought during the masters last year, when it was kind of in its, it was in its infancy. It wasn't full mullet, but like he, he had like a Larry Bird 1988 three-point shooting contest look going with the with the blonde mustache and the little, you know, Tennessee waterfall hanging out mm-hmm. the back. Um, I, I think, look, I, I don't know if it's going to last 12 more months. I'm with you. There's a little bit of a saturation point, but shoot, it's working, man. He's playing the best golf of his professional career over these last few months. So I don't know. You got to. Until I look in my in my world, it's whenever the missus says it's time time to get it cleaned up. 
because I got a target on one appearance. Yeah, yeah, no, he he doesn't seem like he cares. Like the girlfriend says, no, get rid of it. He's like, eh, nah, I'll keep it. I'm playing well. So, well, hey, oh yeah, a little hey, different girlfriend, hey, and then when well, she's got a ring, I guess so. All right, good questions, Jay Ray. Uh, you look up that Johnny Miller three peat stat. I'm going to do the Ed read before we move on. We want to show some love to our sponsor, Athletic Brewing Company. Athletic Brewing has been making some of the most flavorful beers money can buy, beers that celebrate the innovation of great craft beer, but without the alcohol. So if you want to take it easy on the booze and keep your gambling wits about you, Athletic Brewing's award-winning beers are a great option. If you want to support the show, head to athleticbrewing.com, check out their selection, and place an order using code ACTION15. This gets new customers 15% off their first order. And if you order two or more six packs, shipping is always free. That's athleticbrewing.com. Use code ACTION15 on that first order and enjoy great taste while keeping your gambling edge. Did I read that slow enough for you? No, I've got a, I've got loading issues. Uh, I feel like, so I was the researcher on SportsCenter and I feel like it was one of those instances where I've got 30 seconds till they come back from break and I've just been shouted at from across the studio uh, how many games back the Pirates are in the NL Central or something, <laughs> you know, and you've got like no time left to look it up. But um, I've just, been in that studio for those very uh, same calls and, and it's awesome. And you guys would always like, you know, you and the great research team would always be like, you know, and we're back in five, four, three, you're like six and a half games back. <laughs> right. Esteban Loiza. <laughs> like you're just yelling it out right before, right before break ends. Yeah, no, it's always a race against time. Um, but no, I'm, I'm still efforting this answer. Uh, one question for me. You got five questions. I got one question for you. Madison Bumgarner, no hitter or no, no hitter. I think the way they've labeled it is, is the way they should do it is unofficial. You got to go nine. The rules of the game are it's a nine inning. It's a nine inning game. I know they've changed the rules. Well, yeah, I know. Extra innings, the runners on second to start, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm good either way. It's totally, the no hitter has been so devalued anyway. Runner on second to start. That's like, that's like it. Louis Oosthuizen should have stood on the 18th tee at the Zura Classic on Sunday afternoon during the playoff and said, hey, why don't we just put our balls in the fairway if baseball can start with a runner on second base in extra innings? Yeah, no, we're going to have a chip off to see who wins. Yeah. You know, or it's, it's, it's crazy. I don't know how – I mean, I understand the reasoning behind it, but I'm not, I'm not too wild about, you know, that rule in baseball. Yeah, me neither. Want to be a DFS millionaire? You're just one lineup away. We're going to go nose to nose with him. And you're going to play better than you ever dreamed of. Because, God damn it, that's what I demand of you. So let's get drafting. Would you like to receive or defer? Uh, I will defer. I think it's a good week to go with a lot of, like, sort of mid-range guys. Like, I like lineup construction of, like, four or five guys that are maybe just above the average salary and then, like, one or two guys that are way below and just try to hit on one of those guys. Because I think – the guys on DraftKings that are in the 8,200 to 9,200 range. I think there's a lot of players that we like in there. So uh, I'll start with one of them. Let's go uh, Justin Rose at 8,800. Like I said, I I just feel like he's on the right trajectory, trending in the right direction. Should be a good course for him. Um, So let's do that at 88. Okay. I like it. And that's not, that's a pretty good price for a guy of that caliber. I think 8,800. Yeah. especially in the field. It's kind of surprisingly strong field. I know we were talking about before we went on air 
you know, when the schedule came out and saw Valspar in May and, you know, it's right there between the team event, the Masters, the PGA Championship, you know, I thought maybe the field would suffer pretty big, but it's actually a pretty strong field this week, all things considered. Um, I, I mentioned this guy earlier, past winner at this event, leads all players and birdies are better per round at this golf tournament since 2015. Charles Schwartzel at 7,100 seems like a really good value to me. Um, all the different metrics he's really good at at this golf tournament, whether it's tee to green or putting. Um, so I think there's some value there, and it saves us a little money going down the board. So 7,100 for Charles Schwartzel. Yeah, I'm trying to look at some guys down the board. I, I don't know how many of them I love. I, I mentioned Poston earlier. He's at 7,200. Uh, I mentioned Vegas. He's at 7,100. That's like can get down with some Johnny Vegas this week. Let's uh I'm gonna go with one low price guy since you did, and then we can spend up a little bit for the remaining three guys. But I'll go Johnny Vegas at 7100. Uh like I said, I, I don't love him, but you look at the stats, look at the results. 79th in his last start, uh missed the cut at the Texas Open. Before that, 18th at the Corrales, 30th at the Honda, 61st at the players, second in Puerto Rico, 50th at, the, at Pebble, 41st when he went over to Saudi Arabia. It, the guy makes cuts, and I think for a player at 7,100, um, make the cut this week, make a little run, maybe a top 30, and if we hit with the guys uh, on the other end of the roster lineup, I, I, I think we can be uh, pretty safe with Vegas in the lineup. I like it. I'm, I'm good with that plan. Um, I'm going to go with a guy you mentioned earlier that was one on my short list of contenders this week, uh, Jason Kokrak at 8,700. He's ranked third in strokes gained tee to green at this tournament the last five years. He's ranked, where is he, third in strokes gained approach at this tournament per round since 2014. All kinds of good numbers for Jason Kokrak this week. Um, I know he's a guy who gets a lot of attention uh, for his driving ability. Usually when people think about Jason Kokrak, they think about what he does off the tee. Um, But he's becoming a really well-balanced player through the bag, um, and he's got some of his best metrics of his career this season um, all over over, uh, every skill set. So Jason Kokrak, good value there at 8,700 with his course history. So I want to go with Sung J.M. because he is my favorite outright play this week, and I can be still talked into him. I certainly obviously like him. But uh, my next pick, I, I'd like to make a case for this guy because we talked earlier about Corey Connors being the third favorite in this field behind only Justin Thomas and Dustin Johnson. And yet when you go on DraftKings, you see, okay, there's Justin Thomas, there's Dustin Johnson. That, uh, that correlates very well to the betting markets. And then Victor Hovland and then Patrick Reed, and then Paul Casey, and then Scotty Scheffler, and then Corey Connors, who's seventh in the pricing on DraftKings, while only third in the betting markets. To me, that screams value. Uh, Corey Connors might be a better DFS play than a bet this week, and so uh, at 9,600, I like him a lot for a lineup. Okay, that's good. So now we've got 8,700 left. I'm scanning through here. Yeah, Max Homa at 8,100 missed the cut each of his last three starts here. Going to move on from him. You talked about Gary Woodland. He hasn't been playing great recently. No. You know, I, so I'm not real crazy about him. You know, Kevin Kisner feels like a player whose profile fits here, but he really surprises me, him and Scott Brown missing the cut in Louisiana. Um, that was kind of surprising. So, As you're going through some names, I want to ask you a question because a guy that okay. I like this week – um, played well in a team event last week, and he really has been playing well. He's got four straight top 30 finishes. But Keegan Bradley relies on his driver for a lot of strokes gained. And you said yes. earlier that uh, driver's not going to matter as much on this golf course. Do we like Keegan this week or no? He would be one, one I would fade. That's the perfect profile of somebody who I would fade. 
I think he's contended at this tournament in the past. I don't have it up right in front of me, but um, he relies a lot on that driver to gain a lot of strokes. And statistically, he's one of the worst putters on the PGA Tour. Yeah, that's um, true. Players, typically winners over the last 10 years, they have gained the highest percentage of their strokes have come from putting, which is kind of abnormal for a PGA Tour event. So I would kind of fade Keegan this week. I'm going to go with a guy who we both agree is on the verge of coming back and getting a win. Uh, Chris Kirk at 8,200, I think, is a good way to round out our team. Um, he's, you know, he, We talked about just you know, coming back from the adversity he's faced. He just seems to be trending in that right direction. Um, I, think he's a, I think he's a good value here. He's a player whose profile statistically kind of fits someone who'd have success in this golf tournament. And we leave a little money on the table, 500 on the table, which I know we like to do. Don't just you know, blindly go for the most expensive guy left. Um, I'll take Chris Kirk at 8,200. Corey Connors, Chris Kirk, Jason Kokrak, Justin Rose, Charles Schwartzel, and Jonathan Vegas. I think if those two guys, the two kind of flyers at the bottom of that lineup, show up this week, uh, that could be a really, really strong one. I like that line. Agreed 100%. This screams six for six, making the cut to me. I think six we for say six that every week, though. <laughs> we, the lineup always looks good on Monday. That's right. All every time. Every time. Uh, I'm going to go big this week just because why the hell not? So it uh, feels like a good week to. Get after it and hope everybody else. Why not? You only get one Valspar it. championship a year, Sobel. Come uh, sometimes on. you get one every two years. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, sometimes once every two years. <laughs> I mean, it's been a while. We got to celebrate. So, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, we've had we've had Ryder Cups uh, that have happened uh, closer together than we have Valspar championships. So, hey, Tampa's having a sports renaissance, right? They're about an hour away from Tampa. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, it is in. Have a big week. <laughs> Palm Harbor, Florida this week. So um, if, you, if you want to get that dateline correct. So good luck to everybody. Hope you guys go big at the Valspar. Thanks so much to my pal, Justin Ray. I'm Jason Sobel. Good luck with all your bets this week. Thank you so much for listening to the 400th ever Action Network podcast. Here's hoping you guys hit the green. We're finished talking.